She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Now, Stacy Washington. Welcome to the program. It's a pleasure to be with you. Happy Monday to you. Uh, yeah, we have a jam-packed program that we're going to be sharing with you starting now. Uh, let's get into who's on the program today. First of all, we're going to be talking with three guests. We have Buzz Brockway. He is the Vice President of Public Policy for the Georgia Center for Opportunity. He's going to come on and give us a kind of an update on that gubernatorial race with uh, Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp. That's super important. And then we also have uh, Sandra McDowell. Uh, and, and we're going to be getting into more of that with her um, for the Missouri race here in St. Louis. It's actually a statewide race. Um, but we're going to be discussing, in addition to that, a ton of other things that are going to be super important for us. Um, namely, Stacey Abrams. She's got this whole uh, gun control thing that she's working with. And when I say she's got a gun control thing, like... It's, it's such a gift to her, her opponent that she has these views. And so you would think she would, as Claire McCaskill has done in here in Missouri, she kind of shies away from those issues that don't uh, comport with her, the electorate. But instead, uh, Stacey Abrams seems super happy to talk about the fact that she voted for a measure that would actually um, confiscate guns. And that if she were the governor, she would want to find some kind of bipartisan support for the removal of semi-automatic handguns, long guns, etc. I mean, it's really interesting. So we'll be getting into that. And then also, um, we have a candidate, Breedenson. He actually got a little candid. He's in Tennessee. He, uh, he's, he's not ahead in the polls. He's in the, the fight for his seat. And he says if he loses, it's because the national Democrats have made uh, the platform for the Democrats all over the country very difficult to support because it's so radical. And, and it's interesting to hear him say this because it's really close to the election. And maybe he feels like, you know, I just don't have that much to lose. So I'm going to tell the truth about this or I'm, I'm going to be much more candid, I should say. And uh, in doing that, it really gives us a peek into how Democrats across the country are feeling about the platform that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and, you know, uh, others, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, the new leaders of the party, um, even Elizabeth Warren with her constant, you know, self inward looking focus on her own heritage. There's so much there that doesn't help Democrats across the country. And so we're finally starting to hear a little bit of, you know, people are crying out, woe is me. You know, national Democrats aren't helping me. So it's interesting. So we'll be getting into that as well. I'm going to start the show off with our daily confession. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. Now, what does that have to do with what we have going on today, you might be asking. You might be thinking, hmm. I mean, that's a good scripture, but it's, it's voting time. It's, it's time for us to start talking about, you know, voter type stuff. Well, you know what? Yeah. But I think a lot of people are feeling anxious. A lot of people are wondering exactly what's going to happen. Um, what, what is going to be the result of all of this angst? And it's on both sides. Uh, you know, a lot of people who are Democrats who may not agree with the, uh, agree with the party platform are feeling anxious. Um, there are a lot of people who are Republicans who feel like some of the language has been too strident or 
they're not really sure if things are as bad as has been reported on the border, or maybe they feel that the border is the primary situation. There's a lot of feelings, a lot of different feelings all over. And I don't, I'm, I'm not here to invalidate or validate, but feelings are something that are within our purview and safety and calm and peace and, and the ability to experience joy even in the unknown, those are in the purview of the Almighty. And if we want to be in that calm, secret place, then we have to run to him. And that's what this psalm is about, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. The subtext here is safety of abiding in the presence of God. And when we are praying and, and communing with our Father in heaven, we're seated in heavenly realms. We're actually experiencing the utmost that he has for us when we are one-on-one with him, talking to him, sharing our concerns. And that's what I encourage you to do as you're going about the day, today and tomorrow, whether you're early voting or you've already voted or you're like me, you're hitting the polls tomorrow on election day, keep this scripture in your mind and really meditate on it. Allow your conversation with God to be one of, you know what my concern is here, Lord? I'm, I'm concerned that if we do this, if our country does this, if our laws don't reflect you in this way, that this will be the repercussion. The ramifications will be X. And that's my concern. God wants to hear our concerns. It's not like he doesn't know what we're thinking and what we're feeling. But when we express that to him, we put him in his proper place as our refuge. We put ourselves in a proper place as those who need refuge. And we go to him and we lay our cares at his feet so that he can lift us up. And that is, that's the ultimate. That's what we need, especially in a time like this. Instead of, you know, cutting people off in traffic and biting people's heads off and, you know, getting snappish and, you know, letting the neck fly. Instead of doing all that, we can go to the Almighty and have the peace that passes all understanding and know that he is with us. He's with us. He already he's already planned for every eventuality. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows what the late returns are going to be tomorrow night. And wherever we are watching the returns or, or receiving the information, he he's already knows all of that, too. None of this is a surprise to him. He did not, you know, roll out of bed as if because God never sleeps. He, he didn't roll out of bed this morning and say, hmm, wow, this is interesting. These races look really tight. No, he's already knows what's going on. That's why we can trust him with our cares. So it's Psalm 91, 1 through 2. And really, the whole of this psalm is, is so good. Um, it's so good. But I want to make sure that you have the first couple of verses. And that 3 and 4 say, Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. So there's, there is no eventuality that you should fear. There is no fear when you're hiding in the, the refuge of, of our Father in heaven. So that's the daily confession for today. So let's get into the actual program here where we're going to discuss some politics. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm kind of surprised at how unhinged the conversation has become from people on the left in their descriptions of President Trump. They, they really, all of the other insults that they started off with have not landed well. They haven't stuck. And so they've gone to simply saying that the president is Hitler. He is evil. He is pure evil. He's someone that 
um, he's marching children off to showers. The, the, the imagery that they're trying to invoke would be so much more effective if they hadn't dumbed down curriculum in schools as to what the Nazis and Hitler actually did. Remember, the Nazis had the word socialist in their name. Who's actually toying around with socialism and trying to teach Americans that socialism is good? The Democrats. I, I always say, scratch a scandal, find a Democrat. It's literally projection. They want socialism. They want command and control over what you can say and think and post and write and and actually represent. Who can you give your money to? Anybody they approve. If not, they're going to try to make you lose your job. That's them, not the Demo- not not the Republicans. It's the Democrats who want you to have that kind of. Well, I don't know if I want to, you know, let people. I don't want to put a sign in my yard. I don't want to let people know. I don't want to give any money to that cause because if I do, you know, people could find out about it later, and I could, you know, that's them. It's not. It's it's not Donald Trump who's doing that. And so, you know, I'm still kind of riding high from last week when I was at the Trump rally. Still got the little signs up over. If you're watching on the live stream, you can still see the promises made, promises kept, sign, and women for Trump. And it's. It's a good thing that he's doing these rallies because he has absolutely no support in the media. Zero, zilch, not a none. They're not giving him even, even, he's not even a human being to them. So right now I want to get into uh, some audio here. Um, I have a little bit of audio from Georgia Democrat Stacey Abrams. Now, she starts off in this interview, it's Jake Tapper asking her about taxes and whether or not she needs to raise taxes because she wants to expand Medicare. She wants to do a whole lot of government spending. But she says if we just accept the Obamacare money and expand Medicare, that frees up money in the budget where Georgians are not expanding Medicare to be able to use that money that's left over for other programs. Now, in my opinion, that's actually great strategy in a state that doesn't like high taxes, in a state that is still pretty red. It's purplish. It has purple behavior. But for the most part, Georgia, it may be going for the Democrats, but it hasn't gone just yet. So she's not campaigning on the true Democratic platform when it comes to, hey, we just want to raise your taxes. You make too much money. You can't keep it. It doesn't belong to you. It's not yours and you don't deserve to have it. We need it. We need to do something better with it than you can do. And if you make a lot of it, we need to give it to poor people who we need to balance things. We need to equalize things. That's what they normally say. But here, she's much more nuanced. So after talking about how the taxes don't have to be raised to do all of this spending, which actually sounded pretty smart, she goes into the gun confiscation conversation, and that's where it all falls apart. It's number two. In the state of Georgia, you introduced legislation to start conversations. I am happy to work with the legislature to figure out how we make an assault weapons ban work. But what I fundamentally believe is that we have to have common sense gun safety legislation. I am someone who supports the Second Amendment, who knows how to shoot, who knows how to hunt. But I believe that our responsibility is to make certain that the most vulnerable in our society do not face those who are irresponsible with their weapons. AR-15s are not necessary on our streets. Semi-automatic weapons have to be put under a certain level of responsible control. And I believe as the next governor of Georgia, I can work with Democrats and Republicans to come up with common sense gun safety legislation that will allow us to make our families and our community safer. Now, my first response, like follow on question for that would have been, um, well, Ms. Abrams, if that's the case, do you oppose the Black Panthers showing up at the polls and marching through the streets? with AK-47s, because AK-47s are not the same as um, 
you know, AR-15s. They're completely different rifles. They're long guns. They're military-grade weapons, but they've been the, the automatic feature has been disabled. And they're not easy to get. I mean, you have to. It's usually a private party. You can buy them. Certainly, I, I had an opportunity to buy one right here in St. Louis, um, and I just chose not to because I didn't feel like it was something that I needed to that I wanted for our home defense. But I would wonder if she would have a problem with that. And the reason I say the Black Panthers carrying the AR, or the, I mean the AK forty sevens, is because that's a news story that's out right now. They've been out walking up and down the streets of neighborhoods and patrolling polling places with AK-47s on, you know, out in the open. Now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all about open carry. We have open carry here in the state of Missouri. I have friends who have done photo ops where they walk down the middle of their neighborhood streets with their unarmed, their, their, it's, it's obviously not loaded, but their AR-15, you know, strapped to their back and they, they're walking and the news media catches up to them and asks them, why are you doing this? And they talk about it. And open carry is the law of the land in the state of Missouri Certain municipalities have limited it, but it is you are able to open carry. So it's not an issue of open carrying. It's an issue of open carrying as a means to intimidate people. And, and this is where the media drops the ball. This is where I get enraged and I start yelling at my my phone or my radio or my TV, because that's a question that she should have been asked. Is it just when law abiding citizens have air 15s that you have a problem is it just when criminals have it? Because she keeps touting the fact that she knows how to shoot. She knows how to hunt. So what? You still want to confiscate. So really what you're saying is hunting and, and shooting and self-defense is for me, Stacey Abrams, but not for you, Smurf. Not for you, peon. Not for you. You serve me. You vote for me. You give me your tax dollars. You give me your guns. I'll take care of you. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough to do it yourself. And any person who hears someone who's an elected official who also says the, the alarm bell number one, Stacey Abrams says, I will fight for you. Fight who? We're all Americans. We don't have to fight each other. Our processes enable us to govern ourselves through voting. We don't have to fight. We don't need a fighter. We need somebody who has more than two or three brain synapses working, who can bring good legislation and good governance and limited government and keep your hands, mittens and your ideas off our guns. I'm not even a Georgian and I'm speaking for y'all. You don't need that in your governor's house. I'll have more for you when we get back. Stay right there. Stacy on the right. What if I told you that you could clean your family's laundry and help reach the next generation at the same time? That opportunity is here through a company called Redeem Clean. Every time you use Redeem Clean products, you help support the ministry of the American Family Association. In addition to your regular AFA giving, Redeem Clean laundry detergent allows you to increase your support of AFA just by continuing to wash your family's clothes. Redeem Clean products work as well as or better than other products on the market. They're environmentally safe, biodegradable, and they're made in the USA. And they were developed exclusively for the support of the American Family Association. For clean laundry and support of a cleaner society, it's Redeem Clean. Learn more 
find options, and order Redeem Clean products at redeemclean.afastore.net. That's redeemclean.afastore.net. This is the Monday, November 5th edition of Our Daily Bread. Need wisdom? Seek it from the source who alone can provide it. And welcome to today's encouragement from Streetlights and Our Daily Bread. Today's reading is titled Wisdom Source, and it was written by Jennifer Benson Schultz. A man filed a lawsuit against a woman claiming she had his dog. In court, the woman said her dog couldn't be his and told the judge where she had purchased it. The real owner's identity was revealed when the judge released the animal in the courtroom. Tail wagging, it immediately ran to the man. Solomon, a judge in ancient Israel, needed to settle a somewhat similar issue in 1 Kings 3. Two women each claimed to be the mother of the same baby boy. After considering both arguments, he requested a sword to divide the infant in half. The real mother begged Solomon to give the baby to the other woman, choosing to save her son's life even if she could not have him. Solomon gave the baby to her. Wisdom is necessary as we decide what's fair and moral, right and wrong. If we truly value wisdom, we can ask God for a discerning heart like Solomon did. God may answer our request by helping us balance our needs and desires with the interests of others. He may also help us weigh short-term benefits against long-term, sometimes eternal gains, so we can honor Him in how we live. Our God is not only a perfectly wise judge, but he is also a personal counselor who is willing to give us godly wisdom in great amounts. Today's encouragement was provided by Streetlights and Our Daily Bread Ministries. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for being here. And I want to remind you that we are in Operation Christmas Child. We're buying our items for the box packing, and we need you to join in with us here at American Family Radio. We're so excited to have your partnership. Uh, The run dates are October 22nd through November 11th, and National Collection Week is almost here. So Operation Christmas Child is a way for us to share the good news and great joy of Jesus by packing a gift box uh, it's a shoebox, but it's filled with goodies that we buy. And it's for children who've been affected by war, poverty, disaster, famine, and disease around the world. And what we're looking for here is um, you can also make just a $9 donation through the follow your box and, and the QR code retrieval system, which will allow you to know where your box actually went so that you can um, have just that extra peace of mind knowing, hey, you know, my the kid who received my box is in this country. And it gives you a little bit more, um, you know, just, just to glorify God and be so excited about. So you can be one of the people who drops off at one of our nearly 5,000 collection sites. The National Collection Week is November 12th through 19th. To find the nearest collection site to you, you can get more information on what to pack. You can visit SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. It's SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. And we are so excited about having this opportunity. It's it's a once a year type of a thing. 
And I know for, for a lot of people, you, you do a lot of giving during this time of year. You're already busy with a lot of different fun things. And that's great. Um, and we really commend you for that. And we also thank you for partnering with us here. It's Operation Christmas Child, SamaritansPurse.org. Thank you so much for uh, assisting us. So right now I want to welcome our guest, Buzz Brockway, Vice President of Public Policy for the Georgia Center for Opportunity. Um, Buzz, thank you so much for joining the show. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me on. Um, so let's talk about this. You got the Georgia gubernatorial race between Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp. Who do you see winning here? Uh, well, I I think uh, I think Brian Kemp's going to win. I think it's going to be very tight, but I think in the end he's going to going to pull it out and win. Um, so when when the, you say he's going go to win, what's the polling look like right now? It's I know it's the day before. It's got to be super tight. Yes, uh, the the real clear politics average has Kemp up by two point eight points. Uh, so very tight. Um, there was a poll that came out today that uh, showed Kemp with a twelve point lead. That seems uh, <laughs> unlikely. Uh, uh, so that's probably an outlier. But in three of the last uh, six polls, Kemp has been up, and two of them, two of them have been tied, and Abrams has been up by one point and another. So. Uh, the polling, except for this this one poll today, has all been within the margin of error. So, incredibly tight. So, I, I'm just wondering how she's able to pull this off. I know Georgia has a, a very large, uh, you know, Black American population. I know that that's that plays a factor for her. It's kind of like the Barack Obama effect, where you want to see the first Black president, so you want to see the first Black, you know, governor of Georgia. And I know that plays a role. I've also heard that there, Oprah Winfrey came to town and, and, and did some, some get out the vote for her. But beyond the celebrity influences and the idea that this is so historic, isn't there something to be said for ha- having someone who has expertise, someone who's actually putting forward policies that will help Georgians? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that to me, I mean, like I'm biased, I'm a Republican, but, uh, me too. Uh, I, I've been I've been very disappointed. The Democratic Party has not uh, moderated their position at all. In fact, they've actually gone further further to the left in recent years. Uh, you know, Bernie Sanders seems to have taken over the Democratic Party, and Stacey Abrams has played right into that and uh, proposed a lot of very liberal uh, policies, very progressive policies, so to speak, and. Uh, she's she's right in there. She doesn't come out and call herself a democratic socialist, like some other uh, democratic candidates have done. But uh, she has very much run to the left, and uh, I, I, that's that's disappointing because I think uh, you want uh, you want to compete on ideas, and you don't want it to be this that your only choice is freedom or communism. <laughs> you want to have some some real choices where you can have a real debate over the issues, but. Yeah, I've, so that that's what I've been really disturbed by. So in her uh, most recent television appearances, especially over the weekend where she was on all the shows, you know, the Sunday shows, the shows of import, you know, talking about these <laughs> issues. And some of them asked her some, some, I was surprised, some of them actually brought out their real journalism teeth and asked some real questions. And mm-hmm. she didn't seem ashamed to say that in the past she'd voted for gun confiscation, which that is, if you want to go on what's not American, or as Barack Obama used to say, that's not who we are. If there's one thing right. you know is not an American thing that is never going to go down easy here in America, it's gun confiscation. Yet right. she openly, dis- it's, it's as if she's trying to tank her own campaign. Do you think 
that Georgians who maybe were thinking about staying home would see her talking about gun confiscation and maybe wake up and smell the, you know, the, the, the crazy and, and get out and vote? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and you know, and, and we, we've seen really since the, uh, the Kavanaugh hearing, Republicans have been just as energized as Democrats have been here in Georgia. We had uh, record early voting. It, it, uh, early voting concluded on the Friday, and we had uh, 2.1 million people vote either early or absentee. And you compare that to 2014, the entire the last governor's race we had, we had 2.5 million people vote in the entire election. So we're seeing incredible turnout on both sides, and. I think you know what you just pointed to was one reason why Democrat uh, Republicans are looking at Stacey Abrams and saying this is this is just not something that the state of Georgia can have, and the Republicans are turning out in droves too. So I, I'm I'm with you. I I see the turnout, uh, especially so I'm in Missouri. I see here mm-hmm. we took our daughter to vote on uh, Saturday. And the way they have it worded, I, I would show you my, oh, here it is. I don't want to show my address on the little live stream, but if you're watching, you can see. <laughs> what they do is they send you this, it's a voter guide. It tells you where your right. polling place is. It tells you what your township is, your precinct type of election, so you know what day it is, just in case you just woke up from a coma, they got you covered. And then it has your <laughs> sample ballot on the inside, right? And you can go through and fill out your sample ballot and research the issues before you get there, so it's makes it easy for you to vote. So I, I think this is fantastic. I like it a lot. But on the yeah. actual form, it tells you the three locations that you can go. Say It says, if you can't make it to the polls on Election Day, please consider voting absentee. It gives you three addresses. And it makes it look as if on Saturday it's open 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. But really, Saturdays it's only open from 9 to 1 so we got there oh. at about 12ish, you know, to, well actually just just before just before 1 o'clock. And we got in line. So everyone who was in the line at 1 o'clock got to continue on to vote, but they they had a lady come outside and lock the doors. And so other people oh, were walking up trying to vote thinking that they closed at 5, but they they really closed at 1. And so at 1:40, she was turning people away. And my husband and I were sitting in the car eating Subway waiting on our daughter to come out. We're like, "Well, you can still get in. And she was like, we closed up. She, she was telling us, stop telling people to come in here because we already closed at one o'clock. And I'm like, oh, did you? Because this thing says, and she came over and this is actually what it says. It says nine to one Saturday. And I was like, well, this is confusing looking and I'm a good reader. So y'all need to fix your form. <laughs> and so I'm telling that story because it was, it was really a lot of people standing around outside in line. The weather was nice. Yeah. It was like 50 degrees. It was dry, not raining. But I'm saying it was a lot of people there, Buzz, like, voting and they were it was there wasn't a lot of electioneering going on there was only one person there handing out the signs for the dreaded redistricting amendment um everybody Mm -hmm. else was just waiting quietly it was kind of like 2016 all over again where nobody was talking everybody was just waiting there to get their vote in and these are all the absentee voters on a saturday because we don't have early voting here so is it that way there do you see lines wrapped around the building for early voting in georgia yes we we did we really did Uh, in many counties uh, across the state uh, there were there were in some counties in rural Georgia they've had uh, you know sixty percent or even two thirds of the of the entire registered voters in the county have already voted so it's uh, it's been amazing mm. it really has been so now it's up to us to if you're if you're in the you know the the earball range of the show and you're listening to this and you're thinking hey, I'm still I still have to vote tomorrow 
you can check out all of your issues from the biblical perspective from, you know, where where you're looking at it. Because so you're not caught unawares at the judgment seat thinking, well, I voted for that because I wanted to. And God's like, that's not what you were supposed to be doing. <laughs> you got your iVoterGuide.com. It's iVoterGuide.com is where you can go. And you can type in your address or get everything for your state right there. You click on it. It shows you everything that's on the ballot and and explains it to you. And I just encourage people to pray. Today is the day that we pray and we fast and we and we, you know, commit ourselves to praying for this country. And then tomorrow, faith is an action word. You get out and you vote. Um, And and I wanted to ask you, Buzz, are you aware of what the Bible says about self-defense and and, um, how we have a duty to protect others from harm if if we're able to? Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 pretty clear. Uh, You know, we are. uh instructed by God to take care of what He has given us, and uh, um, even uh, even by force if necessary, yeah. but okay, definitely thank through you. the power of prayer. Yes, <laughs> amen. So thank you, because I, I wanted to close out on that. I, I know you don't have a lot of time, and, and I wanted to just touch on that, because I played some audio of Stacey Abrams saying she didn't intend to raise taxes, but she did vote for gun confiscation. And she did that to start Mm -hmm. a conversation because she feels like the people of Georgia who are elected on the right and left side of the aisle should come together and figure out a way to eliminate what she calls assault style weapons from the the streets and byways and hills and valleys and mountains of Georgia. And I think that's a very serious statement that she made that should call into question Mm -hmm. for any Christian um, that if you if you have the right to self defense, how can you elect someone who is advocating against that? Yeah, absolutely. And and she's you know she's that's one of those moments in a campaign where a candidate shows their true colors and uh, you know behind all the slick talk and the fancy slick looking ads, that's uh, a moment where somebody reveals where they're really coming from, and that's eye opening and. Uh, She's done that on a host of issues. She's now saying, she, you know, you mentioned tax increases. Uh, earlier in the campaign, she was threatening to, promising to repeal a tax cut that we just passed in Georgia this year. Uh, so uh, she flip-flopped on that issue, but she stayed true to uh, her, her desire to confiscate guns. It's, it's not just, you know, she says these nice, pleasing words, and everybody, every reasonable person would say, well, sure, we can sit down and as reasonable people and talk about how to reduce gun violence. Uh, but what she really wants is what she alluded to there is the bill she co-sponsored that absolutely called for the confiscation of weapons in the state of Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's, uh, that's not sitting down and having a reasonable conversation about how to solve a problem. That's uh, taking a very government, a pro-government, uh, anti-Second Amendment, and more importantly, anti the right, the God-given right that we all have to protect ourselves and our and our property. Amen. And I and this is this is one of those things where it's so simple, and I know it can be difficult for uh, for voters who want to you know quote unquote be on the right side of history and voters who want to see certain things like you know the state of Georgia to elect a black woman as the governor mm-hmm. that would be such a bellwether for the country it would be such a great example from the south it would also you know th- people feel like it would go a long way to healing old wounds and all this and that but we don't have sure. old wounds to heal 
We, we healed the wounds of slavery through the deaths and the brutality and the loss of blood of all Americans of every ethnic background that was experienced during the Civil War. And that was, that blood loss was the atonement for the sin of slavery. Now, you might say, well, what about afterwards when we had Jim Crow and all of that? People are going to sin. That's why we have the law, we have judges, we have the government. And it took a while, but we set that to right. And, and so we don't, we don't have more atoning to do on that as a nation. What we do need to do is to focus on, God never said in the Bible at any point, well, this person is black, so we need to put them in this position, or I need to elevate this person because they are of this background, because that, that's how they're going to do what I've, what I've called them to do. He always talked about the heart. He always talked about what a man's heart had in it and whether or not that man yeah. or woman was wanting to serve him. And I don't know Stacey Abrams' faith, but I know that as a God-fearing Christian woman, I would never advocate for law-abiding citizens to be disarmed. I would never advocate for that because you need the ability yeah. to defend yourself. Um, and, and it is our well, God-given right. You know, we, we just, uh, a few months ago here in Georgia, uh, my church and, and two or three hundred other churches gathered at Stone Mountain. And uh, Stone Mountain, unfortunately, has a, uh, a, a kind of a history. It was the place where the modern Ku Klux Klan was rebirthed in 1920. And so we all gathered there to pray for two things specifically. Uh, you know, our church, my church, believes that in the South, the, the major spiritual issues are uh, dead, phony religion and, and racism. And mm. that, that those things can, as you mentioned, it's, it's matters of the heart. And, you know, churches need to rise up, in my opinion, and uh, bring about that healing. Government can't change people's hearts. Government can pass laws, and you know uh, many things were uh, gained through the, through the in the civil rights era, the right to mm. vote and the right to own property, and the breaking down of all the Jim Crow laws. But government didn't change anybody's heart. So what has to happen is the churches need to come together and encourage people to turn their hearts toward God and uh, uh, repent for uh, for holding uh, racist views and and hatred in their hearts for their fellow brothers and sisters and turn their hearts to the Lord and uh, you know politics is is downstream from from culture so if mm-hmm. we change our culture our politics will improve so Amen. and we can only really change our culture through turning our hearts back to the Lord so uh, and and a perfect way to close out the interview I've been chatting with Buzz Brockway Vice President of Public Policy for the Georgia Center for Opportunity Buzz thank you for your time today and for that excellent analysis. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. God All bless right. You. God bless. You know what we're going to do? We're going to go. And when we get back, we are going to be talking to you. Call in. Call lines are open at 866-963-2037. 866-963-2037. Be right back. Out of all the people in the world, we've all done or will do the following. Be birthed into this earth, grow, go to school, maybe go to college, get married, have kids, grow old, and die. 
doesn't sound too eventful when put in that perspective. For many, the thought of discipling someone is foreign from the mind and not even on the to-do list. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus tells us to go ye therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. A disciple is more than a student. He or she is a follower of Jesus Christ. There are a lot of things in this world, but there's nothing like being a Christian. It's a life filled with adventures. Receiving an education, vacationing, marriage, having kids are good, but there's nothing like taking the time to nourish someone in God's word so that they can be a force to be reckoned with. That is priceless. With a heart for the Urban Family, I'm today's Urban Woman, Victory McIntosh. Connect with us at UrbanFamilyTalk.com. American Family Radio. Samaritan's Purse. And your family. Together, we can bring good news and great joy to needy children. Simply pack an Operation Christmas Child shoebox with toys, school supplies, and hygiene items. Then, drop off your shoebox gift during National Collection Week. Visit AFR.net, click the Operation Christmas Child banner, and then get packing. I was on my way to work, drinking, and I passed out. Next thing I know, I was in the hospital. That's what brought me to Teen Challenge. God got my attention, and I'm here. I know that I'm a child of God, and I'm loving every bit of it. If you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, Adult to Teen Challenge can help. There are centers across the country, and you can find the one nearest you at 855-AND-ADDICTION or at TeenChallengeUSA.com. This is Urban Family Talk. Hi, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. We've seen God open up so many doors for us to help serve and love those who get affected by a natural disaster. As the trees and the wind started crashing down around us, my wife was, of course, very diligently praying, you know, Lord, please be with us. Very simply, we do it because God commands us to love others. I see these volunteers all as a gift from God. And I'm just grateful they're here, you know, helping out. It's a blessing. If you're interested in becoming a part of what God's doing through 8 Days of Hope, please go to 8daysofhope.com, click on Get Involved, submit your email address. I've noticed that whenever there's a time in my life when um, things might be a little gloomy, the number one thing that I can do is to go serve somebody. And uh, I would encourage anyone else to, uh, it's worth it, come out and do it next time if you didn't make it to this one. And, um, The Father will really bless you in it. Thank you so much for your prayers and volunteering with 8 Days of Hope. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I support a law that will ban assault weapons. And just as when we banned radar detection, for example, some people turned in their, um, their devices, some people were... Some people kept them and just refused to use them anymore. Weapons are more dangerous. They are more vulnerable to misuse. And I do think that in the state of Georgia, we're going to have to figure out how we do this. We've done it before as a nation, and there wasn't a nationwide confiscation, but there are going to be some people who are going to be held to a higher standard because they have demonstrated a lesser sense of responsibility. What I want us to do is what we should always do in our legislative process, have a discussion about how we accomplish our goals. She said this is not going to be a nationwide confiscation. It's funny how, you know, obviously slip of the tongue, but wow. Um, she's got some pretty big aspirations there. Stacy, you better stay down there in Georgia because um, you ain't getting no confiscation going on up here, up, up in Missouri. 
we we have strong constitutional laws that support the, the national uh, right to keep and bear arms. And you ain't getting any confiscation going on down here. Uh, so, or I should say up here since you're in Georgia, just stay in Georgia. Don't talk nas- nationwide anything. That that's that's not you're not even close to getting there. First, you need to win where you are, and then um, you still ain't coming up here. So. Let's go to the phones. We have Gail in Tennessee. Thank you so much for calling the show. Happy Monday. Well, thank you for taking my call. I really appreciate the work that you do and with AFR and Urban Network. And uh, I wanted to let folks know the simple way to, uh, number one, get out the vote. Uh, I encourage people around me to vote. Be an informed voter. Go to the AFA Guide. Uh, mm-hmm. Find out what's going on. Listen to programs on AFR. Uh, and pray before you vote, okay? Mm-hmm. And thank God for people like yourself who served in our military, who are serving in our military now. And they are uh, counting on us to vote. Um we're also required to protect the innocent, mm-hmm. and I just say vote for life. Uh, without without life, you don't have anything. And God will God we will give an account to God for how we vote. I know that in my heart. It's true. I it's really true. strongly feel that way. It's true. And, and what you're saying is um, the truth, Gail. <laughs> it's true. Well, I don't know any other thing to say, and I just encourage them, please go vote. We always do early voting. Um, I do that jokingly in case on election day, by that time I'm dead, you know. I want my vote to count, <laughs> you know, for the, king, for, for the kingdom of God, because uh, that's who we answer to finally. And so life is very precious. Handle it with prayer. And don't uh, don't let... Uh, anyone make you believe that voting doesn't matter. They're going to do what they're going to do. You know, we've heard all of that before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and to pray for those who have authority over you. I comment, I, I call a comment line for the White House fairly often. And the five words that President Trump said mean, meant so much to him were, I'm praying for you. So with mm. my list of anywhere from six to seven items, I always begin it that way, and I end it with scripture verse for him to look up and read and encouragement, you know, that he can find. And he's got so many wonderful Christian people around him. And I'm uh, in fervent prayer many times for him because, uh, granted, he could use a filter on his face, but that's Mm -hmm. all right. You know, (laughs) uh, God's going to continue to bless America when we choose life. Mm, I know that. He is. He is. And, uh, Amen. I really yes. appreciate your service. Oh, I really thank appreciate you. the service you had. My husband's retired Air Force twenty years and mm. we've been through we've been through it all, I believe. And uh God's protected us every step of the way. So uh we deserve um an opportunity to tell him thank you since this is a month we have Thanksgiving to tell him, Lord, thank you for allowing me to be born in a free country. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Gail, for that. Thank you to your husband for his service. And um, 
Thank you for that. Just the perfect, perfect encapsulation of what we need to be thinking about as as Americans and as voters and specifically as Christians. We have such a duty to discharge in that voter booth. And tomorrow is our day. Unless like Gail, you're you're ultimately pre-prepared. <laughs> I love that. Thank you, Gail, for calling the show today. This is Gail from Tennessee, which I got a lot of people in Tennessee. Um, my parents were born in Tennessee, so the, those are my people, too. It's the Texans, the Tennessee folks, and the Tennesseans, and the uh, the Kentuckians. Now, my husband has family all over the place. They are numerous and plenty, and I can't name all the states they're living in. But I, I'm, I just want to add one thing. Um, at, you know, she said we're going to be held accountable for, for the way that we vote, and we will be. The, the thing about the sins of a nation is we, we get the recompense now. We, we receive the recompense for our sin right now, but we also will have to give account at the judgment seat. And I mean, it's, it's just not, it's, it's not, it's not a joke. This is a very serious thing. And the same as it is where it talks about in the Bible, you don't want to change what the scripture says. You don't want to add to it or subtract from it because, you know, it's, you don't want to lead anybody astray. It's better to have a millstone tied about your neck and be dropped into the ocean. In other words, it's better to die by drowning than it is to change God's word. And so God calls us as Christians to be active. And it, it, it really, it upsets me when I hear people in leadership over the church talk about, well, you know, stop talking about politics and start talking about God. No, wait, no, hold on a second, because politics is how we how we govern, how how we give people the authority to govern over us. So we can't say we don't want to talk about politics. We can't say that. Politics is life. Politics is school board. School board is your kids and your taxes. That's life. Politics is, you know, some some person molesting your child and taking her to an abortion clinic and getting her an abortion without your consent. Laws that enable that, that's politics. That's your life. It's your life when you say, you know, I, I want you to take care of my wife and continue to do life-saving measures and, you know, beyond your control, some government entity has said, well, that will be too expensive for that person under Obamacare. That was, that's, that's, that's what Obamacare was, a way of rationing out healthcare so everybody could have a little bit. We, we're not going to do any life-saving measures on your wife. She's 75. We got to let her go. You can't get a hip replacement. You're just going to have to live with that pain because you're too old. The, the, the cost isn't going to, that's, politics politics gives them the ability to say that to you to do that to you that's life so we cannot have an attitude in which we are in church praying and we're serving and we're doing all that we can do and our hands are up in the sanctuary on sunday but monday through saturday or monday through friday specifically we aren't doing anything when it comes to governing those we've given our consent to enact these kinds of laws and rules over us we will be held accountable and and it's so serious it's so serious which is why you have to get out and vote. Let's go to Jay in Arkansas. Jay, thank you so much for calling the show today. No problem. I'm a preacher in Arkansas, and my congregation, they don't want me to say anything about politics in this church. And what you just said, that's what I told them. I said, if you do not vote and take care of the politicians, I said, they're trying to rule what the church going to do. Mm-hmm. And our people... My my family members, I'm a black guy, what they call me, but I'm not black. I'm brown, like my grandson say. <laughs> the thing of it is that but they always say, well, you don't sound black. When I first heard you on the radio, I had to go on Facebook and look at you. I said, man, I can't believe you because you got that voice. You sound white to me. <laughs> but, the thing of, but the thing of it is, they gave me trouble because I wouldn't vote for Obama. And then when I mm-hmm. voted for Donald Trump, 
they just throw the fit. Mm. And and everything that I have with Donald Trump, they would even, if they catch me not looking, they would throw it in the trash. But they don't, our people, the Democrats done beat them down so bad. Mm. Free foam, not free. Food stamps, we paying for them. Free housing, somebody paying for it. They think, you know, I want more than food stamps and a little $120-some dollars a month. Mm-hmm. I want my own money, my own house, my own car, and my own land. And I don't understand why people want to be just get a little bit of something when they can get a, a whole lot of something. So I'm you, telling you. Know you. Oh, you, you, you're speaking some truth there because there's nothing like it. So when Myers and I were younger, we rented, and when we bought our first place. I remember walking outside and walking in the in the backyard barefoot and, and just – it, I don't. I know it's not really a material difference. There was nothing different about that place. If we'd been renting it, the grass st- still would have felt as nice. But it was just nothing like walking around that place and knowing it was ours and painting it and removing a cabinet from here and putting something else up and doing whatever we wanted to do to it. And then later, because we lived there for a while, we saw some growth in the value of the place and taking that money and buying another place. And that's when you really start to grow up. You really start to realize it's not just that you buy a home. It's that you take care of it and you improve it when you can. So over time, its value will grow so you can use that to do whatever you want. And that's the other part. No one can tell you what to do with the growth that you've experienced because that's your money. And we, you're right about the beating down. When Sometimes, you know what, Pastor Jay, I will get on and I'll just uh, watch a little bit of CNN, watch some clips or something. And, and the way they talk about black people, the downgrading, you can't get this done. This person hates you. Donald Trump hates you. He just wants to ship you back to Africa. Well, most of us American blacks can't be shipped back to Africa because we've never we haven't been in Africa for generations. There's no place for us to be shipped to. We hold citizenship here and we should never allow anyone to talk to us that way. But we do. And I just encourage people, you know, stand up like Pastor Jay just did. You had people coming against you for your vote, but it was your vote. It was your right to do it, and you did it. And God is going to reward us based on what we do, not what other people tell us to do, but what we do, because it is our choice and our decision to support or not support or vote or not vote. Not voting is a choice. It is a it is an action as well. And um, I, I thank you so much for listening. I, I, I was laughing when you said you had to look up on the thing. Oh, so many stories about that kind of stuff. But thank you so much for calling I don't the show. Understand why that anybody want to be like that? And and after all this, I, you know, I remember I came out of Christian Spring, Mississippi, and my mother she called a truck driver up here to Arkansas, and we didn't have anything. And I told my brother and sister, I will not live my life in the project. I will rise up, and I got a job, and I worked all my life, and now I own three houses, five vehicles. And, and, you know, but if I'd have stayed and just stayed in the project, you know what I'd have had? Basic nothing. 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 And you would have felt like you don't have anything because the reason why Don Lemon and all the others who are on CNN can talk down to black people that way is because if you're getting everything that you have from the government, then you're going to accept that kind of talk. But if you're not, for blacks who aren't, you know, receiving benefits, blacks who are working for themselves and making their own way, they really do well, um, and and you don't you don't receive that information in the same way. And so I just encourage people, you know, listen to what he said. It's about doing something for yourself, and you know, it's 
it's a journey. We're all on the journey of doing for ourselves at a certain level. And then you look back in a few years, how you know you're doing it right is you look back and the Lord has changed you and, and you've grown and you're doing more of what he has for you to do. And that that may be owning, you know, five cars and three buildings like the pastor or, or whatever it is. It's not about the material wealth specifically, but we got to be running and chasing after God. If you are, you will hear the lies of the enemy and you will know that's not me. When I hear somebody say, well, you know, because white people are in control of everything, I immediately know they're not talking to me because I and I have some my, some of my very best friends are white people. So this isn't about race for me. But when I'm at my house, there's there's only one person who's really in charge at our house. And it's my husband. Oh, I know. I know some some feminists just got triggered. At our house, my husband's in charge. Now, he and I are married, and we submit ourselves to our Father in heaven, but there's nobody white living here except our dog, Bentley, has pink skin and he has white fur, but there are no white people living here, and so there is no white person who is ultimately in charge of us. And when you work as unto the Lord, you know that, and you'll never let anybody tell you you're less than or not as good at. I don't care if you may be a little curvy like myself, you know, not I'm not the, the thinnest thing like I was in my 20s. Or you may be tall or short, or maybe you have some physical infirmity, or maybe, you know, you're super smart and people hate you because of that. Whatever your thing is, you're not going to receive that some other person is in charge of you and can destroy your life. It's God who ultimately takes care of you. And when you realize that, it, it just bursts down all of those walls and those things that people want to hem you in. You should fear no man. You fear no man because no man can do more for you or more against you than our father in heaven. Fear no man. Donald Trump, I'm not afraid of him. I I support him, but I'm not afraid of him. If I didn't support him, I wouldn't be afraid of him. I've never feared Barack Obama. I don't fear anybody. I fear the Lord God. And he is the one who will order my steps and direct my paths and make my path straight and lay everything out for me. Or he will restrict me and direct me in another way. And he will say, you're not doing that. And I will have to say, okay, amen. And that will be the, that will be that. How you can really show who's in control is by exercising your duty as the holder of the highest office in the land, which is citizen in the United States of America. The citizens are ultimately in control and we give our consent to govern us through the vote. Get out tomorrow and vote. Today we pray, tomorrow we vote. Do it because, not for me, you will be held accountable. And now I've told you. God bless from the heartland. If you're leaving us, if you're sticking around, you have onenewsnow.com news and information up next. Family Talk.